What's going on guys? Men's Health Unscripted. Patrick here with Mitch Harbaugh and Mike Hernandez, the hosts of the Wellness Navigation Podcast. Two really intelligent guys I've been exposed to quite a bit over the last year. They've taught me a hell of a lot of stuff about breath work, functional movement, yoga, sauna, everything. So I figured if I learned so much from them, you guys could definitely benefit from it. So uh, let's kick it off. Tell us a little bit about the, uh, the Wellness Navigation Podcast. Uh, so we originally thought it was going to be like the health navigation podcast, but we wanted to make it a little bit more broader. Sure. So um, <clears throat> it's just from our experience and being in that fitness industry and pretty much the wellness injury industry now, since we're all on both at Kotawari now. Mm-hmm. So we really wanted to, you know, just put something out there that through our experience, how we've helped people, how these people um, are reacting to the stuff that we're teaching them as, as well as putting them through uh, and ourselves pretty much as well, like ourselves as well. And what we're experiencing and learning and help them push through is we've got a lot of positive results. So we want to push that out there to the public. Yeah. It's like we being in the field so, so long with both of us and having that combined experience, we ourselves have a lot that we have learned through (laughs) testing our own wellness, but then also working with others. And so accumulating all those stories and then trying to share them in a way that can be like tactical. So someone can listen to a podcast episode and go, okay, that's something that can help me out. Let me try that. Um, we think it's a really good way to not only improve how we work one-on-one with individuals or in group settings, but then also kind of reach a broader audience so that way they can improve their like their health and well-being. Yeah, I've, I found that podcasting has been an amazing way to just learn about things. You get experts on, you have different people, different ideas, and that's kind of what I wanted to do with Men's Health Inscripted is bring in just a conglomeration of different ideas that not everything's going to work for everybody, but something is going to work for somebody. And if that improves their life or changes how they go about their day-to-day in a positive light, then it's really beneficial and makes me happy. Yeah, it's true. So um, I guess we'll just dive right into it. You guys are like breath work masters. I have learned so much from you guys. <laughs> and and the breath is something that we do, I think a lot of people forget, where you're not, you don't really have an intimate relationship with too many bodily functions that you don't have to think about. Like your heart beats, you don't have to think about it, and you breathe constantly. So I felt like discussing a lot of breath work on here would really help because we (laughs) do it every day Mm -hmm. without thinking. It is an autonomic nervous system function. Mm -hmm. So what's so important in you guys' opinions about maintaining proper breath control, all that kind of stuff? I'm going to let the experts, you know, take over now. I think... When it comes to breath work, one of the things that I want to drive home first is usually people are just completely unaware of how they're breathing. So it's a like it's a lack of awareness in how you breathe. And when a lot of people say the breath is the connection from mind and body, and I really do believe that, because the breath can affect your uh, physiological states. It can make you in a more hyper alert, vigilant state. It can also calm you down and make you more like really calm. You can get into a really good flow state when you do certain types of breath work. So you have this thing that can help you change the way you feel, stabilize the way you feel, and then also notice how you might reactively respond when certain things make you feel certain ways. So if you don't, if you're not aware of your breath at all, then the main problem would be you have no control over or and no awareness over how you're reacting, how you're responding, or how to change anything when it comes to uh, insert stimulus. This is how I react. You'll have no opportunity to make a change. So the main point would be if you become aware of your breathing, 
you'll be significantly more aware of not only you, but you and how you interact and, and your relationship with your environment and the people that are in it as well. Yeah, that's very true. Um, as well as, you know, as he talks about awareness, it's also being aware of how you think, mm-hmm. how you process thoughts, how you um, how your body reacts to how you're breathing. We can go on for days. Um, Mitchell and I actually in our breathing podcast, which mm-hmm. needs to be elaborated. It seems we need to go broaden that spectrum a lot more. But um, even how we breathe in the sauna, uh, we're, while we're taking that heat through our breath, and a lot of that times where I add, we add like a fire breath or a shining skull, mm-hmm. where we're actually pulling in more heat and, and warm, like we're from the sauna, we're heating the external, but as we breathe, we're heating the internal at the same time. So, and people seem, seem to get like little like like dizzy after a while and just oh, yeah. tends to, a little freaking yeah, like, <laughs> they're like what is that i'm getting high i was like you know you know it's not quite that but it is at the same time but it's it's a way for our, our, our to give you some awareness and how how um your breath is really even no matter how you breathe it reacts to the body as well mm-hmm. yeah i mean even kind of just go off what mitch was saying about being in a hyper vigilant state sitting yeah. in that sauna at 180 200 degrees your skin is tingling you're feeling a real type of way sometimes. And um, <clears throat> I think starting to control the breath kind of brings you back down. And I was, I was joking around with a buddy, like I think we were having a couple of <coughs> the other night and um, he had like an Apple watch on. I've never worn one. Mm-hmm. And so his heart rate was just like progressively going up. And I was like, why don't you breathe a little bit? And we were like watching on his Apple watch, like him regulate his breath, mm-hmm. like after some beers. And it was like really interesting, but it can definitely put you in a situation where if you're in like, what is it? Um, your fight, or flight, yeah. fight or flight. Fight or flight response, yeah. You can make better decisions. I mean, oh, if you're sure. calm, your decision-making process is just like so much better. We have, we have, we like to call, call um, um, pauses for, for like success, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So between our, between our thought, there's always a breath. There's that, and that's also your, that moment you can make a choice. Right. right, especially when you're in the, in the saunas. Like I try to tell people, like the guys are like, they're already making a choice. They're in that fight or flight. They're ready to get the fuck out of there, right? But I'm like, hey, just take a minute, breathe for a second, breathe through your nose instead of your mouth, and see how you react after that. And most most of the time, they'll just sit right back down. Like, okay, I can handle this. I'm like, and it's amazing how you can just not if the, the moment you can just not react to your immediate response to want to do something, and just breathe. How you can just settle everything out. Because I think it just people just want to react to that immediate thought to like react to that fight that fight or flight response mm-hmm. instead of just like hit that rest and digest for just one second one like give yourself like two breaths and see how you react after that and almost I want to say ninety percent of the time most of them will just sit down and just like okay chill it's out. not that bad I was like, <clears throat> like how much time we have left we have plenty of time it's okay you know it's just like and it's it's funny like that. Um, I can't remember, one of the one, someone was in there was like, you know, I'm leaving right now. I was like, hey, why don't you sit right next to me? Just relax. Give me two, give me two breaths. He's like, and I, after that, just two breaths, like, how do you feel? I'm all right. I was like, okay, we're good. Now let's, you know, continue on with, uh, with the rest of the class. Yeah. It's like yeah. people don't realize that they're having a reaction yeah. rather than a response to the stressor. Yeah. But then also, like, the reason why I love the sauna when we do breath work in there is because you have, I always say, you, you have this stimulus. What's your relationship to it? And understanding how your body and brain are going to impact that. So what we'll do is we'll say, okay, you have the heat. You're the experimentation in this case, right? Mm-hmm. Like N equals one. You're in here. This is you. And you're in a community setting, which has an impact. But your 
brain and body care about one thing essentially, and that's you living, right? Like you survive it. So your brain doesn't care necessarily that it is hot. It knows that it's hot, but it cares like what's causing this external threat or this external stimulus because we're always kind of like one layer separated away from the world because it's our senses that are picking up everything. And the breath makes you more connected or more aware of those senses and when they change. And if I'm more in tune with the tools that are picking up and perceiving the environment because it's all perception-based, and if those tools are then more accurate, well, then I will have the ability to have a better response to whatever the stimulus is. And when my tools are not gauged very well and when they're not accurate, which would be I pay no attention to breathing and my breath does whatever it reactively wants to do, well, then you'll see people get extremely anxious. Their eyes start to dart all back and forth. Or outside of the sauna, someone might like be super uh, lethargic and really depressed. And I think it's important that people know, and I'll say this in the sauna, like your brain is making predictions. It's all prediction-based mm-hmm. thing. And it goes, okay, the prediction was either correct, in which case that's good. I responded appropriately to the stimulus. Or it was incorrect. And then we have an increase in this like prediction error, which would be a bad thing because that's going to be more likely towards a not accurate response and a not accurate response means over time the more that that happens you'll be more likely to be dead so in this case it's not super intense because you can just get out of the sauna so if your if your response was holy shit this heat's gonna last forever i'm gonna die and i'm gonna start freaking out even though you're not thinking that your body's like well oh my god i'm gonna die you're gonna be okay and the response would be your heart rate elevates really a lot you become in that hypervigilant state your breathing pattern increases and you'll be fine because then you'll eventually get out and it'll be all right But the point is, what if your body is responding inaccurately all the time? Um, This is called the free energy principle. So every time your prediction is wrong, you get an increase in entropy. And the more consistent and the greater increase in entropy you have, the less healthy you're going to be. Like, think about it in this way. If your body is always responding incorrectly and it's always releasing any type of, like, neurotransmitter or hormone response at the wrong times for the wrong reasons, well, over time, you're not going to have the greatest like health, or, right? Because then you're also eating prob- probably poorly, different things like that. And breathing is the way that you can be aware of all this stuff. And that's really like a massive benefit for people when they deal with these stressors. Is the, um, there's another thing like what we usually see in the sauna too, usually the people that are, um, the people that are leaving the, the fastest or are responding to their fight and flight mm-hmm. are the people who usually can't deal with stress in their everyday life. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Right. It's that's usually those, it's usually those people. And you're like, You'll notice, because I know you guys both run a sauna, you're like, you'll notice it's almost the same people every single time. And you're like, all right, so what are you guys doing to, like, to deal with this? Like, I know when I worked in the ER, <clears throat> um, we, we, as paramedics, we like to call these people like, with this, this syndrome, the Latin nervous syndrome, right? Where, like, you'll see it, and I'm, I'm not throwing Latin out of there, but I am Latin, so it's okay. It's, we're, we're this. <laughs> Fuck that shit. <clears throat> but I'm saying is, what, ha- what happens, you have these people, like, it's usually in the in the in Latin in the Latin um, t- in the area with that that gender of people, um, but they'll get so tense and they'll they'll react to their anxiety so much they'll mm. just lock up, like everything just locks up and they we can't help them at that point because they're just gone. Usually, what I did it in the um, what I did in the ambulance, like hey, we start controlling their breathing. I usually use like a box breath, right? Yeah. Five inhale, five pause, five exhale, five pause, and it usually just calms them right down. Because after that, I have to give them like Ativan or some benzo, right? And they calm them down, <laughs> yeah. Which is freaking crazy. <clears throat> but we use the, we, the reason why that is like our the more we respond to that CO two response because mm-hmm. our brain does not recognize oxygen. Period. It doesn't. You, you get a signal. You get a signal for oxygen. You don't get a signal for oxygen. We get a signal for high levels of CO two. 
for them, it's like extreme high level CO2. And it's in a short period of time. They're like, oh, I'm going to come inside. <laughs> so like, you know, it's, it's wild. And you're like, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm like, like, hey. And so and we were talking about, um, I, I use a bolt score. He uses, um, what was that? Just a CO2 trauma <clears throat> CO2 test, from, test from, a free diver, from a free diver. Yep. They both work very well. This one seems to be a little bit better, the one that Mitchell uses. But learning how to generate the high levels of CO2 also brings with awareness that Mitchell was talking about, like mm-hmm. with that awareness that we need. <clears throat> um, but extending that level of CO2 tolerance over time, your stress levels magically Drop. reduce mm-hmm. really fast. And we're literally him and I simultaneously. If it's not his class, it's my class. We're actually sitting there trying to work on that. If it's not an extent, if it's not like extended pause or extended um, uh, pauses or extended uh, uh, exhales, just on those box, those box breathing, yep. it, those really help draw the the stress levels down. So these people, like when they come out of the sauna, like oh my god, it didn't really, really feel it didn't feel as hot or it didn't feel as challenging. They're like yeah, because we're helping reduce your your level of stress. Right. So that's another thing Mitchell, Mitchell's really good at talking about is like those high levels of CO2. I'll just leave that to you. Yeah, well, those, the high levels of CO2 also shift the body towards an acidotic state. Yeah. And generally, we want to Correct. be slightly alkaline is like yeah. the body's top physiological functions. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of studies on cancer prevention, metabolic disease prevention. If you're sitting more in the alkaline state, you're going to prevent a lot more of these issues just from an overall like health perspective. Mm-hmm. So that acidotic state is where the body definitely doesn't want to be. And mm-hmm. I can see where that um, stimulus can become more, <laughs> more I guess, uh, dangerous and, yeah. and more uh, hyperactive. So let's talk a little bit about CO2 tolerance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned this off of you at uh, one of your seminars um, and it made a ton <laughs> of sense. So let's share that. Yeah. So when... When someone has a low CO2 tolerance, you get in this really vicious feedback loop of your CO2 tolerance is low, and so you start to become hypersensitive to it, and when you do that, you start to mouth breathe to offload more CO2. And then when you mouth breathe and you offload more CO2, your sensitivity to it also decreases, so then you become more hypersensitive to it, which then makes you mouth breathe again more and offload more. So it's just this feedback loop of I'm offloading more CO2 and becoming more sensitive to it. I offload it and become more sensitive to it. And that signaling then makes a person reach those, uh, like if you have a window of tolerance where you have like a top line of breaking through that as you become hypervigilant and really anxious, and then breaking through the bottom line as you become like super lethargic and depressed. And you can go into either one of those when you have a low CO2 tolerance. So when a person builds a high level of CO2 tolerance, I like to think of it as their hardware is working significantly better and their tools are gauged and and, and really accurate. So when a person does a CO2 tolerance test, like the one that I have people do, I learned from the group that uh, is run by Brian McKenzie, and you simply take three inhales to start through the nose, three seconds in, three seconds out for each of those three breaths. On the fourth breath, you take an inhale through the nose as deep as you can, And then you start a timer during the exhale and you exhale for as long and as slow as possible through the nose. And obviously the longer that number, that's like the score that's used to gauge your CO2 tolerance. So if you're between zero and 20, it's extremely likely that those individuals have poor breathing mechanics and they are extremely anxious or extremely tired. Really, really bad for the below 20 score. And a lot of people are there. Uh, a more average score, 20 to 40, that's where the breathing mechanics are still bad. But maybe instead of being hyper anxious or extremely depressed, they're kind of someone that is just a little bit more irritable 
and then a little bit more on like the low energy, really depressed side. Once you hit 40 to 60, then you start to see where breathing mechanics are, are a lot more efficient and they're usually pretty good and in control. And then when you finally hit 60 plus seconds on an exhale, which I know sounds crazy, excuse me, that's when you are in extremely good control of how you'll respond to different stressors. And the breathing mechanics are really, really, really good. So they're not breathing through their mouth often. They're not breathing into their chest and into their neck. And it's a really controlled belly breath. So the main benefit behind that is you are in control of what your body is doing when it responds to different stressors. And that doesn't matter if it's your training. And I like to say, is the workout beating you or are you beating the workout? Well, that's kind of that feeling of difference can be right the main way to tell uh, a difference between the fight and flight response. Well, how you're breathing really impacts that. If I'm running a long distance workout and I'm just mouth breathing the whole time, my body's going to be like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like this is, this is really intense because the way that I'm breathing is making my predictions say this is significantly harder than it might actually be. Same way when you do a sprint workout to the opposite of that, if I try and nasal breathe the whole time, well, that's not effective for my training either. And then I am letting my CO2 levels get too high, which will then cause again, more anxiety. So there was an interesting um, study that was talked about in the James Nestor book, Breathe. And I forget the researcher's name, but he was having, uh, there were two twins that had something happen with their brain where there wasn't processing of fear, like at all. And so they've had like crazy stuff happen in their life. Uh, yeah. So they had no fear response. He brought them in, gave them an, a, uh, had them inhale a pure CO2 uh, like concoction and I want to say it was like 80 plus percent of like pure CO2 and both instantly like freaked out, but then immediately had weeks to months of like a serenity, like really calming effect because it essentially reset their CO2 tolerance. And that's a more intense way to do it rather than doing breath hold or, or breath extension work. But the main point would be you had people reset their CO2 tolerance and then weeks and days following of extremely calm, not super irritable, not depressed either, but in a kind of like that serene state of like, you just feel really good. It's like doing whippets. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like, it, yeah, right. like, man, I feel so good. A bunch of, fucking, a bunch of whipped cream, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I definitely. Uh, I've sat in the cold tub, uh, specifically with Mike as well. And he's just, and uh, had us kind of breathe out very slowly. Slow. Mm -hmm. And you feel like super high. Yeah. It's crazy. And you're sitting in this freezing <clears> cold and I've gotten pretty good at it, I would say. But then that deep inhale, long, slow breath yeah, out so. when you're in the uh, when you're in the cold makes you feel a certain kind of way, and mm -hmm. you get your blood pressure definitely decreases, your heart rate pretty rapidly decreases, and you get out and you're like, whoa, because I'm, I'm lightheaded because <laughs> I'm making you retain that CO two for a little bit longer time. Yeah. yeah, so it's just like it's staying in there, and your tolerance is usually yeah. your tolerance is not as great. So like you're like your body's like, okay, we're just gonna yeah. get a high off all this. Freaking human whip it, you know? Yeah, and I think most people think that CO2 <clears throat> is a waste product. At least that's mm. how I remember being taught it in school. Yeah. And it's like, well, damn, CO2 actually is significantly important for oxygen delivery because it's the thing that helps oxygen actually come off yeah, the hemoglobin and the red blood cell. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if your CO2 is low, not only are you becoming more anxious, you are literally doing a mini starvation consistently throughout the day where you're getting not optimal oxygen delivery and they've actually shown that when your breathing pattern becomes poor, when your CO2 tolerance is low, it kind of predicts and leads towards panic attacks. Mm -hmm. uh, and that used to be something that I challenged with quite frequently. And ever since I've had my CO2 tolerance get way better, and also there were different life changes that happened, which impacted my breathing, I haven't had panic attacks in years. So when a person is able to improve their CO2, they were actually able to have it where a person would have a monitor on, it would tell them like, 
their breath pattern as far as when they were breathing, when they were holding their breath, their respiratory rate, along with their CO2 tolerance. And if the CO2 started to get too high, they would have them focus on their breathing. It would stabilize, their CO2 tolerance would increase, and then a panic attack wouldn't happen. And it would be like an hour before the panic attack would happen. Shocker. Like, damn, that's your amazing, breath affects right? your mindset. Oh, my God. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you control your breath. You control your, what the fuck's going on in your head. I've yeah. definitely been caught uh, <laughs> doing breath work in, like, different pharmacy situations, mm-hmm. high-stress situations. I know, like, in the ICU, uh, I, I spent a good portion of a rotation in the ICU, peak Delta uh, COVID, and there was, like, times where we had patients freaking out, you know, not going to, you know, call anybody out, but, like, <laughs> Maybe some doctors took the uh, took the sedation a little bit too low, and somebody <laughs> was tubed, and you get people start freaking out, and you have to be calm, yeah. you know, or like somebody's literally coding. You can't be like, "Oh my god," because that does no one any favors. And I've definitely gotten caught <laughs> in uh, hitting a B breath, you know what I mean, yeah. or yeah. like hitting uh, hitting like just a long slow exhale, just staring out in space for a second, and just to like reset my brain to be like, "Okay, I can deal with this." mania going on right now yeah i don't know if it was it was part of my my fucked up childhood or even the military i was like but i seemed to handle really high stress in like scenarios extremely well like and it worked and even worked when i was in the fire department or i was like in in the er i was just like people were just freaking out i was like what the fuck y'all doing right now because everything just slows down i hit this like huge flow state i'm just like all right guys let's just do this this i'm sitting there like mr calm (laughs) Fucking like ice cold fucking brand. I was like, oh, you guys are fucking stupid. Here's what we got to do. I mean, the per- the guy's not going anywhere. He's not going to, he's, he's already dying. So let's just slow down and figure out what the hell our brain's doing before yeah. we, you know, fuck shit up. So it's just, it's just weird how certain people, it's even in that situation, you see like oh, people are coding, you see how many people are freaking out and just trying to fix something up. Like, right. That person's going to be coding regardless. It's not like, yeah. it's like there's nothing we're going to be doing is going to change any difference of that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Annette's definitely one of the first people that recognized. She's like, you do a lot better in like chaos. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this may, she's like, this is probably good now. As you get older, it may not be a great benefit to you. But like, it's just that I feel like I, I perform better in yeah. highly chaotic situations. Most people do. And then when it comes down, I feel like a lot more depressed. Like when things are normal mm-hmm. and passive, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is boring. Well, it's, it's called adrenal fatigue. We hit this, we hit this high level of like our adrenals are just running like crazy. Yeah. And when it drops off, it's almost like getting like a sugar rush, right? Yeah. Right. We feel really good when the sugar's in, but at the yeah. back end, we're like, fuck, I feel like shit. <laughs> like, you know, most yeah. people feel that. It's yeah. just, it's, well, I think it's interesting. Cause again, it's like the way that you're used to responding to a stressor. So if you have someone that's usually, very goal-oriented type A personality, for them being like on in the zone and high stress, that's where it's like comfortable for them. But then the moment it's like, hey, let's let's do some breath work, they're like, this is really uncomfortable. Um, I remember StrongFit, one of the groups that I like that does a different type of breath work stuff to essentially help people feel their damn muscles is what they would say. They did this thing called Disney December where they had people listen to high-frequency Disney princess songs (laughs) <laughs> to try and do it to right to try and do a Something vagus nerve stimulation school. so that way people could build more of their like calm flow response and uh they actually had a guy share a story where one of his athletes who was like a had previously been in the military currently police officer was like riding the assault bike because it's supposed to be like an active meditation even better if you're in like a park walking <clears> around <throat> uh and he freaked out and like smashed his phone and like threw it because he because it was so painful to be calm and that's, again, like a, a, a breath-related thing. Like, if you are so used to being shallow breath, high, hypervigilant, 
well, your body is not essentially good at getting calmed down. And the other way can be the same. Think of someone that is an endurance-based athlete and is really used to being more in like a flow. It's a long run. Anytime you push them super intense, the body's like, it's essentially, again, I'm not used to the stressor. I don't know what's causing it. I think it's going to kill me. This is not good. Imagine that adrenal fatigue from that guy, though. You're like, he's like, <laughs> oh, fuck this. So he's like, the point where he's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be interesting to see that. Just, I think I've seen that before in some crossword workouts where just some guy, like, they just they keep, like, fucking up their double under. Yeah. And just get so frustrated because they they're, they're already yeah. tired. And they're just like, things are not working their way. So just throw their fucking goddamn rope all over the place. You're like, shit, right. Let's just calm down, take a little rest, bro. Right? <laughs> yeah. Go to the corner. Well, we had <laughs> talked about this yesterday. We were saying, if someone's going to have balance and be able to really connect to their breath and, and find a lot and how that's going to benefit them, you want to be able to go hyper extreme mm-hmm. to be the intense but like calm and focused in, in kind of like that chaos. But then you also want to be able to be really chill, right? Like mm-hmm. the Book of Five Rings with it. How do you say his name again? Mia, Mia, Miyamoto. Miyamoto Masushi. Masashi. Masashi. Yeah. Uh, right. Essentially, Samurai is time that had like the most amount of kills or something like that in one on one dueling with, with samurai swords. But in his book, as he's telling you how to be this elite killer, he's telling you essentially like you need to be present. You should know the way of the blade, but then you should also be able to know the way of like poetry and gardening and painting. Know all the things. Know all the things, right? Because his whole point is there's a rhythm towards the success and a rhythm towards failure. And if you're not aware and if you're not present, in this case, if you're not aware of your breathing, you have no capacity to tell what is a rhythm of success or what is a rhythm of failure. Where in that case, you might see people repeatedly doing the same thing over and over and over again. This is where I see people that get uh, injuries because I work a lot with people that have repetition-based problems where they're doing the same thing kind of wrong repeatedly, which then leads to an injury. And then they're like, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm hurt. It's like, well, you never rotate your body or move laterally and you only move up and down or forward and backwards. But because they're so disconnected from what they feel, because they do no breath work and then also barefoot's important in that, they have no idea what they, they don't know they're following a rhythm of unsuccessful patterns, but think they're following a rhythm of successful patterns. And it's because they're so disconnected. This is let's be honest with this. There's a lot of men that watch this, right? Some men's health unscripted. Yeah, I think our audience is like I would say eighty five to ninety percent so guys. And we're most yeah, guys. Bros. Yeah, key demo, thirty to fifty five. I'm just gonna throw it out there. Yeah, most guys think this what we're fucking talking about right now is fucking damn juju fucking voodoo bullshit. Oh, I thought the same thing. I did the same thing too. Annie Oakland was on our podcast and she's like, I'm not gonna get too woo woo. I know a lot of guys are like, just fire <laughs> off the woo woo girl. Yeah. Let's, let's get it. Like, most, <laughs> most guys think this shit is fucking witch, witchcraft. I mean, I was one of those guys. Like Annie, she's my yoga mom, right? So she would be like it's like, Mike, I want to get you to yoga for like seven fucking years. I'm like, I need to get you into yoga. It's like, I don't need that shit. She's like, no, Mike, you need yoga. So she got me into like like three years ago, well, four years ago, she actually got me to start doing yoga more often. And I was like, all right, I'm starting to believe some of this shit. I had to be open. <laughs> to be open to new experiences, right? Yeah. So it was about, about four or five years ago, I had to make myself open to new experiences. And now I'm just like, I want to learn new skills all the time. Yeah. Because <clears throat> Miyamoto Morsashi, right, he would be like, Learn new things all the time. Be the steward of your own life. Yep. Learn new things. So yep. like, like I said, I said a quote the other day. I was like a master. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. But it's always better, better than, than a master of none, a master of one. Right? Yeah. So even though I'm not a master of all these trades, I'm still constantly learning and constantly expanding my knowledge. It's better than one guy just doing fucking woodworking his entire fucking life. He yeah. may be happy, 
but he's not expanding his weapon on. So if you give you throw that guy on a bicycle, he probably don't know what the fuck to do. It can also be a dangerous thing to attach so much of your character <laughs> and thing. your sense of self to one thing. Because yeah. if you lose that one thing, you're kind of screwed. Says the games athlete that wanted to be a games athlete. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, my dream from He's like, like fuck, yeah. my life is ruined. Yeah. I'm like, no, man. Just I will say the biggest change was the, the biggest positive change that I've had more recently would be getting into jujitsu. Because yeah. again, it's like you're moving your body you're in a skill, way. Man. It's like chess. But then also, you have to focus on your breathing. Like yeah. If I go to grab someone and I start freaking out and, and mouth breathing, especially because you have a mouthpiece in. The more you freak out, the more you lose. You're screwed. <laughs> you just tense up and then you're that spazzy white belt no one wants to roll with. And you don't want to be that guy. No. Right. It's, it's so, it's so, it's, that, that's, that's a sport that takes so much patience <sighs> and so much breathing, which is it's what I love about it. It's like wrestling. And also, yeah. all of the high-level belts in jiu-jitsu that come to the sauna are all the people that are just the most chill. Most chill. They're Lame. like, whatever, we'll suffer Jason. in here. I know. Yeah. Jason is one of my favorite guys in that song, dude. He really is. He's just such a cerebral guy. He's a he's an anesthesiologist. Okay. And oh, Jason's <coughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's great. Dude, he's amazing to talk to. <laughs> yeah. What's funny, he's an Ashtanga yogi. Like that motherfucker started like yeah. his is like before he became while well, he was going to doctor school, he was he's like Doing practicing Ashtanga, Ashtanga yeah. yogi. Wow. I was like, oh shit. I'm like, <laughs> it's like Jason, you need to teach me this shit. And he's like, yeah, it, it was funny. Man. What's funny about him is he's a he's an anti personality, right? right? <clears throat> and when he, and when he, he literally was thinking about this for a week, when I saw him again the next Saturday, he goes, because Mike, I was really thinking about, Jason, you were thinking about this shit all week? You serious? He's like, yeah, I'm thinking, I was like, you know what, this is going to take a lot of time because I got to practice myself. I was like, Jason, maybe practice again is something you need again. He's like, oh, may, maybe you're right. <laughs> I was like, I'm just saying, man, maybe bring some, some balance to your life, you know? He's, 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 jiu-jitsu is a big part of his life. Yeah, being a doctor and being a leader is a big part of life. But he's he's in, he's like one of us in a way where he's like, he's got like two master's degrees and a doctorate. The guy's Brilliant constantly human. in yeah. school. Like he constantly wants to learn about business and because he doesn't want to be a doctor. This like we, you know that for sure. He like, does you know what I mean? New, <clears throat> no doctors out there want to be a doctor for their the whole time of their life. It's like it's just like so it's much an burnout long term. Yeah, but even not even not so because these guys are have like still have student loans out the ass. Like by the time half of them don't even like they pay like seven five dollars. Yeah. A month, they don't even pay into it. No, I, I always commend like the med students just because like to actually go to med school, the commitment, it's not just the four-year commitment, mm-hmm. it's the three years of residency, fellowship, fellowship and it's like this constant <laughs> pathway that you just have to like put your head in and go. And and uh, I, I did like pharmacy because it's a little bit more versatile. I feel like I can do more things outside. Mm-hmm. I don't have to commit to so much post-grad mm-hmm. learning. I can, you know start a fucking podcast you know what i mean like you know not that med students can't but i feel like i just have the opportunity with like a good solid base of health knowledge and then i can go out and like just pursue so many other things like an industry and you know all that good stuff and they wonder why doctors have so much burnout by the time they even oh, get yeah. by the time they actually start to get the practice they're limited in what they're doing anyway again yeah. they're extremely like there's no doctor that i guess actually diagnose the way they want to because they're so worried about getting slapped with a lawsuit and mistakes, mistakes happen all the time. Misdiagnosis happen all the time. We can, it's not like a doctor has fucking x-ray vision and see right through your fucking body and know exactly what the fuck is wrong with you. They just have to deliberate um, from what they see on x-ray, CTs, you know, what your blood panel is. So it's like so hard to be a doctor. But I will say, I've seen a lot of doctors out there that are calm under pressure. And they're just, they really enjoy their job. And they really have an extremely good bedside manner with it. They actually care. And there's guys, that do, there's doctors that get in just for the fucking money. They're just for the money. They're just a bunch of fucking assholes and just 
it shows in their work. Yeah. <clears throat> so you and you've seen that firsthand. There's a lot of great doctors out there that just do it because the passion and the care that they have for people. And those are the doctors that you really don't see the shine very much, very yeah. much. You know, it's the assholes that are just like whatever brown noser is up there fucking <laughs> sucking no. the fucking medical director's dick. Yeah, medicine is uh, medicine's <laughs> definitely a labor of love. It really, truly is. And uh, once you start getting deeper and deeper into it, you do start seeing like can't tell you how many times I've seen nurses that are awesome, just the most beautiful human beings. And then you see the nurses in it for the money. They're like, give me your vein. Bah, and just fired it ah. in. Like, Oops, I missed. Like, <coughs> I mean, you'll see it. I'll do it on purpose, too. Pretty, yeah, they're just. On purpose. Oh, yeah. So, like, that's what I was telling you yesterday, right? That's what I was telling you yesterday. Jeez. Your mindset is everything, like, especially when you come into work. Yeah. Right? And people and people here, they know me. I'm coming here, like, when I come into work, my I have the same. It's, a, it's my authentic self. I'm, I'm the hype guy, crazy hype Mike, Mike, whatever you want to call me, right? Crazy Mike. But I come, crazy Mike. But I come to work with the, with the, with the passion that I want to be here. And like, you see a lot, like how many nurses have you seen? I was like, I fucking hate my job. I don't know. Like, I used to see that when I walked in here, I was like, why the fuck are you here? Like right. literally, why are you here? So I can make money. I was like, that is not the right reason to fucking be not here. Not to be in healthcare. You're just going to make the, money until you retire if, and then what? If you're here to make fucking money, get the fuck out of here. Your health is gone. Oh, you, you should be like a lot. There's a ton of nurses like this. They just like, they're there for the money and they're not there for the care. I'm like, I want you to fucking care when you be here, when you're here. I know the fucking company is like, might got you by a number, but I understand that. But that doesn't have to reduce the quality of your care or quality of your work. And like, that's important. The healthcare needs people who fucking care about people. Right. And, and those are the, those are the ones that freak out under fucking pressure. Right. When they when the shit goes down in the fucking ER, those are the ones, the ones that are just like, I don't want to fucking be here. I fucking hate this place. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that are like, Oh, what do I do? It's like, you're dumbass. You need to get the fuck out of this room. So like care, people who actually care, actually getting the work done. So that's like, it comes back to breath work. It comes back to all that. It's like, what is your mindset leading into wherever, wherever position you're going into currently? And it, you, you you see it all the time when it is doctors, nurses, even medics that are in there, even pharmacy pharmacy guys. Yeah, same thing is that burnout's serious in this job, but it, if you care, it's not as bad. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like mid level, high level medical practitioners, when you really boil it down, like a lot of times it's just nerds, right? <laughs> and like, not a bad thing. I'm a huge nerd myself. I feel like you guys are nerds mm. to a degree as well. But like, sometimes it's there's a lot of non-community, so like a lack of team sports previously in their mm -hmm. life or team anything, so like military, you know, team sport, anything that requires a team. And they like really force it on us. They force it on us quite a bit in pharmacy school just because the health profession is going so interdisciplinary. Yeah. And you see people, I mean, like I'm going to call it, I'm not going to call any of my classmates by name, but I can tell some of y'all motherfuckers have never played sports in your life <laughs> that require a team because... It takes a try, bro. Yeah, and it's... True. And it's just like the divide and conquer mindset. Like I'm going to write this paragraph and you can do this one and then we'll just shove it all together. And it's like, mm, our, how good was our work though? Yeah. We didn't actually collaborate. It was just like, everybody has a hundred things going on. So we're just going to go do this group project or do this thing. And then we'll, we'll just piece it together. And it's literally like a copy paste from everybody's stuff. Yeah. And it just turns into a project. Oh, and it's shit. Like, can't imagine yeah. that turns out yet. You know? Like, how, um, does this, how does this go into what this paragraph is? <laughs> right. Or even then, I mean, you know, truly, there's at times, you know, even outside of, you know, school, but it's in the medical professions, like, there are literally people out there, in any profession, really, that are just dead weight. And you're like, come on, we got to go. And you pick them up, and you got to carry them through the finish line to get there. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know... As far as my background in team sports, that's how I came up as a, as a player. I coached for... 
geez, like probably 10 years after I finished college baseball. And I've, and I, you see the dynamic, especially now, not to get too far off in the team sports, but now like I, I was so burnt out, burnt out coaching team sports because so many kids, well, more so their parents are like, well, my kid's going to go play at the university of Florida. That's a lot and of pressure. Do, yeah. And so you get this individualized approach to a team sport like baseball where, well, my kid's like the best one on the team and the rest of you Definitely suck. I think. But yeah. It's just, and, or like, it's all about, I'm not going to bunt to sacrifice. I don't feel like hitting and running. I don't feel like doing the little things that are going to make the team better. I want to swing and hit a home run, but you probably are going to strike out because you're worried too much about doing all this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you notice, and this is just in my, my time is that when people play for the team, they actually play better. Of course. Instead of playing for the individualized, sport. right? It's not like when I was like when I was wrestling, right? When I was wrestling in high school after the Marine Corps, it's like, yes, it's individualized for your weight class, but it's a, it's a team play too. Like if I if I don't win this match, my team doesn't go forward in some way, tournament or another, right? But in baseball or anything like that, it's, I, it's, I found this with my son. My son, um, so just, trying to find passion for your kid is really really hard to do. Actually, it's not really easy. Like you're just throwing him thing, throwing things at him. Hoping that he reacts and, and like, because you'll see like you'll see in kids kids sports like there's one kid like he plays like on five different teams. He loves the sport. He lives, breathes, and it's like it, it like it's ingrained in that kid. Like he just wants to play, and you, you can see it in your kids. Like he played baseball for three years, fucking didn't. I asked him, "Are you like want to play again?" I was like, "Yeah, I'll play it." But he's doing it just to make me happy. And mm-hmm. I had to ask him a question. Like, look, dude, this is not about me. <laughs> this is about you. Do you like playing? He's like, "No, not really." I was like, "Okay, let's pull you out." It's like and so trying to find and sports wasn't this thing like and it turned out being like I, he wanted to play guitar and I gave him a guitar and he took after it master musician <laughs> fine great but like you're saying when you're playing team sports and, and for sure the hospital is a team it's a team 100%. sport hundred percent team sport like if 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 the pharmacy's not doing anything the doc's not doing anything the nurses not doing anything their freaking techs aren't doing their thing nothing's gonna work right especially in the code if nobody's like listening nobody's like playing their part. Shit can go wrong extremely fast, and that's how you have like patients die. You know, it's not really our, under our control, but we're trying to mitigate that whole death as best as we can, trying to give some ROSC out of the whole thing. But <clears throat> um, it's really hard to find that balance for a lot of people, and especially in, when it comes to team sports and in, in the hospital, like finding the right people for the right part right position, the job, and that tribe. Because every time you come to the yard, ER, it's a different team every single time. Yeah. I'm- it really is, and there's like everybody there now with the interdisciplinary approach to healthcare as well. There have been way, like significantly better health outcomes. It's saved a lot more money, uh, healthcare dollars, but everybody's there to save each other's ass. Like not one person, not one person on that team knows everything about exactly. everything. You know, the doc knows diagnosis, and they don't get a ton of meds. The pharmacist is the expert in the meds. The nurse is the expert in like bedside manner, patient care. Mm-hmm. Uh, injection, you know, uh, IV lines, all that kind of good stuff. And then like PAs and, you know, ARMPs are, they have their own role where they can, you know, maybe be that arm of the doc. And they know quite a bit, especially, you know, the more experienced ones, but everybody's there to like catch each other when they fall. Mm -hmm. And I've seen just from the pharmacy perspective, I've seen many times where a new new hospital protocol comes through and maybe everybody doesn't get the memo or you're too busy to, you know, completely fully read the report. It happens and a mistake gets made. And then the pharmacies, there's like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Like I've definitely caught a mistake before as a okay. student. I'm like, whoa, no, 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 we have to stop this. And it stops. And so you just save the patient's life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody and, has an opportunity. Uh, right. Yeah. Which is funny because that's, that's why you have a nurse there. It's just doing, in the code, that's nothing, doing nothing but court reporting. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm Because someone's going to be getting, someone's going to have to get fucking dip to pose and some of this shit. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, everybody is a fail safe for everybody else. Right. <clears throat> when I work, but the great thing about like, especially doing trauma care is that so a lot of the guys who, who do that job on a regular basis get to do their actual job. Mm-hmm. So like a paramedic on the street, <clears throat> the kings of trauma, right? That's what we do. We do, we, we, sust- we help sustain life till the hospital. So, <clears throat> so usually the paramedics that are working in the, in the, in the trauma, in the trauma center in the t- TGH, they're doing the majority of the actual code where the nurses are just passing meds from the pharmacy to the, to the, to the, to the, to the paramedics or the docs, if he needs to do a central line or procedure, he's doing his stuff while everybody else is doing their things. So it's really cool. That's probably the one place where I've saw the most teamwork because they choose their, they choose their um, staff very carefully because they want to make sure everybody melds well together, which is rules. was really interesting coming, going to that, going to that hospital. But you, when you, when you go to the level two trauma centers, you see like the whole, the, the inconsistencies in, on this team and a lot of people are like everybody it feels like everybody has a, has a fucking chief and right. nobody's doing the fucking work which is and you you, you kind of wonder like especially if any of these teams are actually working like um, practice scenarios of like here you guys know what to do when the code happens you know like are you guys practicing what what codes are you writing on the wall what's what what medican, medication this person take like are we doing the right first step so like <clears throat> to what you were saying I was just I think that Instead of watching each other's ass, I think people just need to be better at their fucking job, and yeah. be, be and be better at pressure, and being being more consistent under that kind of stress. Which is, I mean, it comes to the it, working hospitals now is just a fucking business. It's not like it's not about care anymore. Yeah, which is which is a business, which is freaking sad. Like I want like, I mean, I'm sure you're the same way as I am. Is like I just want better care for people. I don't really like it's it's that simple. I mean, if we care for one, we care for our employees. Two, our employees that are cared for are going to be caring for the for the patients a lot. Well, I mean, I hate to say that, but it's it's true. Yeah, and it's true for us. Like CJ takes care of us very well here. He does very well here. So like, so from that, our output out there is fucking amazing. And I'm just saying that from me seeing at a standpoint watching coaches on the floor, like there's. At any given time, it's usually in the morning. It's it's either me with the PT, Mitchell with the PT, Mike's. Coaching class and Joel's like Joel just finished and is like Joel's jumping, in and jumping in a group class. So there's like a whole like, like magic work happening on the thing, and you people are just like, what? and that's just the morning. That's just the morning. So we got so kids like, class and Trisha comes in and trains. And <clears throat> so you have like it's it, it should be it should be that it, it, it's so sad because you have hospitals are now that are even more of a business that it's everybody's a number, right? Everybody's a number. So it's like if I don't feel like. I mean, and, and that's just, and that is just your perception of how you handle your job. Like, if I I always come into work like I'm ready to work, I'm ready to like I'll make sure people know that I care about them, make sure that, you know here or it's in the hospital. Like, I want to make sure people know that I care. If I'm making my rounds, I'm doing it like every half hour. These people are gonna see me yeah. all the time, so that they know that like somebody's there, they feel safe, all that jazz. Here, I want to I'm walking with people's like, how was your day? Even in the end, and, and I, the conversations we have in the sauna is because I fucking care. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like I have these hard conversations in the song because it's, it's actually the best time to have conversations in the song. About it really is. Oh, that's when people tell you they're going <laughs> for round two in at twelve so like, mark. That's yeah. I'm asking about your, your, go, your childhood, to, dude. Yeah. Well, they're like the second round in, the people are just dying and just like, so tell me how that feels. You're yeah. like you're automatically like this. I'm telling you, like. I'm like, what's been the most difficult thing in your entire life? Like, well, <laughs> Mitchell and I are like, like we should, we're like the the like the lowest paid therapists on the planet. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like with it's not here as a coach or as a as a trainer, but it's even in the sauna. Like, I'm having like group therapy classes with some of these people. Oh, it's definitely happening. Between in my sauna sessions, yeah, right. <laughs> so it was funny. I had a um, a couple married couples in there, and I was like, what? I can't remember what question I asked somebody who was like. Like what? What were, we're talking about resilience or something like that? And mm. they're like, "What made you feel like resilient?" She just pops something off about her husband, yeah. and her husband pops something off about, about his wife, and like they just learned about something about each other. And I was like, "See, guys, I'm just this is marriage counseling, and right. their marriage is better for it." <laughs> but it's the same thing in like in our work in our workspace too. Is like if if we're not showing up one a, with a good attitude and knowing that we want to help people and care for people. Um, and two, we want to make sure that the, the people we're working for actually fucking care for us so that we're, we're taken care of. Yeah. So we don't have to, that, that's just one thing we don't have to worry about when we're trying to care for people. I don't have to worry about I'm not getting the right drugs at the right time. Yeah. It's not hitting the right tube at the right time. Or if people don't care about my blood work, you know, it's taking like three hours, you know, I understand that there's, there's backups and fucking and blood runs backups in pharmacy. I understand that. But like, there's some way that things have to be, you know, if it's a mental, if it's a mental or, yeah. or a stress state, people have to be able to like, you know, help themselves out with that in general. I think it's interesting when you guys say all the stuff about like the business uh, focus with uh, within like hospital settings. And even when people are like in their own work field, like whatever it might be, or in fitness, it's kind of like people don't realize what they're placing value on and how that impacts their actions. And we had talked yesterday about like, hey, you have your thoughts that leads to intentions that lead to actions that develop into character. And the great thing about the breath work is it makes you aware of those things and kind of almost like, like we're saying, oh yeah, you're doing this breathing and it connects with your body, but you become more aware of literally all the things that you do. And if you're being an asshole. Yeah. And if you're being an asshole, right? Like I'd mentioned, I was, I was being one to Brit, right? (laughs) And now I am less so. Um, But what's interesting is you're aware of this breathing stuff and then you begin to realize more and more how, how, what you're doing affects you and others. Um, and this relates to a thing like, I feel like these are kind of like the same, but I always get them mixed up, which is, there's this one concept called Goodhart's law from Charles Goodhart, who was like a British economist. And then another thing called the Cobra effect when I want to say it was like when India was under like British colonial rule. And essentially here's what those two are. So you have Goodhart's law that says, if you take something that's a measure of success or whatever it is, something that you deem valuable and you make it a target by placing pressure upon it, it no longer becomes a good measure. So if in a hospital setting, someone's going, the amount of money we make is the most important thing. Well, you took something that was just a potential measure, money, and then you made it a target. So then there are going to be, which this is where I feel like, so one, it's no longer a good target or no longer a good measure because it's not, it's, it's been um, uh, affected too much to where now you're manipulating things. And this can lead to things such as the Cobra effect, which the story is snakes were rampant and the government went, okay, if you guys bring us snakes, we'll give you money. And then, so people, what did they start doing? They had snake farms to then farm the snakes to then get more money. And then the government went, oh shit, we don't want that. We're not going to pay you anymore, which then people released the snakes and the snake population increased, which was not 
It was like the total opposite of what you wanted to have happen. So if you're acting in a way where you place an incentive on something, making money, making yourself money, uh, or like only caring about yourself and not others or not paying attention to your breathing, you have no idea unless you try and become aware of all of the potential negative consequences that come from it where, hey, I'm going to like focus on me and and make my life better and and improve myself. And that initially is great. But what if you go about it by like, you end up treating other people like shit and you're not even totally aware of it, like at all. Well, doing breathing is a way to be aware of those types of things. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a difference between selfish. Sorry, it's my fault. Uh, there's a difference between being selfish and there's a difference between selfish Talk and about being self-care. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm an, I'm an ass. There's a difference between self-care and being selfish. Yeah. It's a big difference. It's, it's like the difference between being arrogant and confident, right? There's a big fine line between those two. Yeah. And I feel like. I feel like it's that's what made me burn out a little bit too much in the, in the hospital industry. It was like it was more about them being selfish, about like and then at, I was feeding into their selfishness instead of feeding into more of my self care. Yeah, which ended up del- fuck, affecting the way I cared for people. Yeah, and I, and I felt like I, I there's a big part of me that was just, I, I just felt like I lost my faith in humanity for a little bit. You know, yeah. and I'm sure you know what that feels like right now. And you're just like, you just get the same same kind of, you know, um, patience all the time. Where you're just like, are you ever going to fucking fix your life? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, no, he's not. And because nobody fucking cares for him. And I'm not saying, like, enable the care. I'm saying, like, care a little bit so that way they're, like, able to, like, you know, maybe get a, feel like they have a step. And that, and that comes from us, too. It comes from us, our ability to care for those people. Yeah. And, I, and, and more importantly, for us, our ability to care for ourselves on a regular basis. Uh, and that breathing is a big part of that and yeah. bringing awareness to that. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say both of you are kind of like, uh, I, I'm not saying I feel attacked by any means. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but definitely uh, I would say more so like, I don't think it's any secret. I took a break from the podcast for like a month. Yeah. I was on, I was on a tough block. I didn't feel like dealing with it. And then I felt like kind of to what Mitch was saying, I was looking at the metric of the podcast, like watching the podcast metric go up and I'm like, fuck, I have to keep like producing more yeah. and more stuff. Yeah. I don't have time, uh, unfortunately, because quality. my, my, well, that's the thing. I didn't want to lose quality. Yeah. So I stopped yeah. and I took a break and just focused on, you know, finishing school just because I've got debt in this. I've, I have a lot on the line as far as my, my education and how that's going to go. Yeah. And frankly, I was in a position with some wizard level pharmacists that I could really learn a lot from. And so, and they were just giving me a ton of work on top of that, but I was coming home. It was pharmacy almost 24 hours a day, almost like probably six days a week. And I would get one day to myself to kind of tie up some other stuff and spend time with family. And so I just was like, you know what? I need, I'm taking a break from social media for my mental health. I'm taking a break from the podcast. You. And honestly, now I feel so refreshed mm-hmm. and rejuvenated about coming in. And this is probably the third or fourth episode I have since the hiatus Mm -hmm. and it's going to start, you know, pumping out, but I feel like we get to do more live ones now and that's great. And just now I feel like I'm ready to take another step and produce better content, have Mm -hmm. better guests and just have more intelligent conversations rather than like, then I don't know you guys will, if you haven't experienced it already, I think there's a time where it's like, well, you got to get something done. Yeah. Right. Something in, in some degree is better than nothing. But then also, like, at what point do you say, like, I mean, we get emails now. It's, like, crazy because we get emails about people that want to be on the podcast all the time. That's awesome. And I have to be, like, it is great, but you still have to weed through it. 
kind of manage your expectations. Right. Cause it's like, well, I don't really know if like you're on brand with what I want yeah. kind of thing. And like, I mean, shit, I, like that's not really a thing. I've had comedians on, they're just like, we just tell jokes yeah. and sit there yeah. and like talk about wrestling for an hour. That's like, good. And sometimes that's good too, to just yeah. off gas. And yeah. it doesn't always have to be part uh, of myself, like, man. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this regimented, you know, health crap all the time. It can be a lot more just about, Hey, like let's be entertaining. Let's have fun. Do you want to just like, talk shit with the boys kind yeah. of thing like take off your pants and grab a beer type deal which that's also part shit. of health it is I can't take my pants off I don't wear underwear I'm surprised your pants cover up to half your quad bro I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> they're huge damn. they're huge uh, but dude that's awareness man you buy awareness yeah. to yourself you're like alright dude I gotta take a sweat and that's okay I mean, yeah no matter who's pushing you to make these podcasts, be like, hey, dude, you know, like, I'm not going to give you the same quality if you keep pushing this bullshit on me. No, but well, not only would the I'm quality go down. Yeah. I'm pushing me to make these podcasts. Yeah. I love this. Yeah, you know I know. I mean? But at the same time, it's like, you have to manage those expectations. You know, sometimes you have to create um, barriers for yourself or, or boundaries. Like, boundaries for yeah. yourself. So yeah. everybody who was upset hard. with me yeah, for taking a break, sorry, not sorry. You know? <laughs> yeah. But we're got to take care of you before you yeah, take man. care of others. You know what I mean? It's that whole oxygen mask uh, scenario, right? Like, it was stewardess, the, the stewardess will tell you, hey, when those oxygen masks are off, put yours on before you put anybody else's on. Right, right. right? And that's extremely important. That's, and, that's, and, I, and that's just, I would give, I give that advice a hundred times every, every day to a lot of people. It's like, hey, man, you know, I know your, your life's crazy and people are expecting things of you, but you, know, you can't help anybody as much as you want to help people. Yep. If you haven't helped yourself first. Absolutely right. Yeah. So, like, that's a big thing. And it comes back to, like, all our awareness stuff and our awareness stuff. and what's your value. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. So I, I do want to like transition over a little bit. Mm. I uh, recently got back into the gym. Feel like some injuries are you know getting healed up. Nice. Uh, through through the power of you know Annette and yoga, breathing, all that stuff. Like healed up my shoulder. My hips are doing a lot better. And so I kind of wanted to talk about functional movement with you guys. Mm, and my favorite. Right. I knew I knew you guys were going to love this. And so <laughs> I, I you know I come into this like men's health unscripted is definitely like for the average person it's not like the men's health magazine staying in the gym six hours a day like yeah. you know it's, it's cock pills that's, that's not yeah. normal <laughs> cock pills don't do too much porn guys I mean yeah. we already talked about this before the podcast yeah. fucks your dick up yeah so hyperstand really. um, <laughs> like it men's health isn't all dick pills and hair loss right there's, there's a, a ton that goes into it but what's the importance behind you know as crossfit coaches what's the importance behind functional movement and um, you know how can people benefit, even though they're not maybe a weight room junkie? But what can they benefit, even workouts at home or whatever they can do to kind of help? We're like the we're like the expert, overly expert uh, OT OT therapist. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Like, so like, are your ability to squat is your ability to sit and fucking sit on the toilet? That's yeah. no different. Or pick something off the ground. Right. So it's that simple. Like we're not the things that we do here in the gym. And he, uh, Mitchell does a really good job of helping people manage their, actually more so bringing awareness of people's injuries. Mm. So and managing people's ability to understand their awareness of what, where their pain is located at. So that it, makes, it gives them awareness towards their body. And we, I kind of do the same with my, my athletes because I, I, I teach, I coach a lot of adaptive athletes if it's not from um, anywhere from, <clears throat> from adaptive athletes, meaning like people who have sort of severe like, or incomplete quadriplegics, all the way to amputees, all the way up to a professional athlete. So I, I deal with everything in between. And it's just, it's just our ability to, one, to help people understand what their body's capable of and their limitations, but two, under, like, help them understand where their pain and how to manage their pain properly. Yep. 
And Mitchell does a really good job about doing explaining that, that just functional period. Well, I think it's interesting because, I mean, as far as how CrossFit would define what a functional movement is, it's yeah. it's you are moving large loads, long distances quickly, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I mean, that's 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 a cool technical way to say it, but I don't really like that as much. <laughs> um, and I prefer to think of it as, you know, I, I follow this idea that I mentioned it earlier. You're a part of this world, but one layer separate. And so how do you survive? You move through your environment, which again, you are in, but separate from. You have to be able to manipulate your environment. And then the perception of your environment and your relationship to it drastically matters. And when those tools and the way that you move, manipulate and connect and perceive your environment becomes off, that's when all the shit hits the fan. So functional movement in a broad sense does a little bit better at helping you move efficiently, manipulate things effectively, and then when done appropriately, can help you uh, perceive the environment better in your relationship to it. So the way that I work with people is I'll, I call this awareness-based training. And the three things that I that I try and drive home are you need breath work, barefoot movement, um, and you need to learn body tension. And here's the reason for that. When you do breath work, you're aware of your perception and your relationship to the external stimulus, which in this case would be, how's the workout going to make me feel? Am I picking up a sandbag or a kettlebell? Like, how is my breathing impacting what I think? So some people might go, I'm going to go do an endurance workout. I love it. Other people might go, I hate long distance workouts. I don't want to go to the gym today. It's a long distance workout. Well, if you're aware of your breathing, you're going to be probably more aware of your thoughts, your reactions, and your emotions that relate to it. And then the question will be, why do I hate long distance things? Well, maybe I never do it. Maybe I had a terrible experience when I was younger with it. Uh, And then maybe if I go do it, I half-ass it. Or the opposite would be, I only train heavy days, and no wonder my joints hurt because I never take a rest. So when you do breath work, you connect to this environment and and its perception of it. When you move barefoot and you let your foot function naturally, you can now navigate and move through this environment more successfully. We always like to say, hey, core to extremity is important. And I think that's only part of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. My other thought is your feet will then give you feedback, which stimulate how your body activates up the chain. So if my foot's functioning better, I'm probably going to fire my glute way more. And sure, it's going to help if my core is braced. But the bottom line is if I'm wearing moon shoes, that shit ain't going to fire super good. And the same thing goes with your hand. If I know how to create different types of tension with my hand, I can then manipulate the environment better, firing better up the chain. And now all of a sudden, I'm not going to have elbow or shoulder pain when I do a bent over row or a deadlift because I'm not looking like this as I do the movement with my shrug up and my elbows bent. And then that final piece of being aware and creating or relaxing body tension. So the barefoot helps me move through the environment. The breath helps me connect to it. And the body tension makes me aware of how efficiently I am manipulating it in the sense of if I am doing a deadlift, I'm moving a thing. So functionality would be like, there's something on the ground. I need to pick it up and move it or carry it. Maybe it's an animal that I just hunted. How do I do that? Well, if I pick it up in a way that's going to jack up my lower back and make everything really hurt and my breathing like shit, I'm probably not going to live very long because I'm going to hurt myself and then I'm easier to get killed or I'm going to re-hurt myself and can't forage for food if we're talking like in an ancestral sense. So when people do a deadlift and they are like, oh, I feel my back, I'm like, well, and, and, the, and then the, the big thing will go, but, the, but my back was straight. And my point is the position you're in does not matter if you do not feel the right muscle tension. So did you feel your glutes, hamstrings, side body, and core? No. Well, then you did the deadlift wrong, even if it looked picture perfect. 
the reason why I think this is less popular or less common of an approach is because it puts so much, it demands so much more work from the individual. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, it requires significantly more awareness, Mm -hmm. which again, most people are cut off from. We're Mm -hmm. on our phones, we go to work, we get in the zone, we just get in this loop, and we don't do anything right. And then we wonder, why does my back hurt? Uh, I don't like that I don't have longevity, right? Like I always have this movement practice. But now I can't do yoga as often because my back hurts, right? Or I can't do these poses, which I used to love, so because it hurts. Or I used to be uh, doing squats in class, and I love squats because I was good at them. I identified with them, but now I can't because my knee hurts. And then people go, well, maybe I just need to take time off, and that'll help my longevity. Well, no, that'll treat the symptoms, but you will not be resilient at all. Mm. And I say that this is a form of anti-longevity and, and fragility training is what people end up doing, which is like not what you want at all. And so everything I've just said is so drastically, in my opinion, different from, well, hey, just make sure you do compound movements, do them at high intensity. And those things are great because they get a physiological response that's beneficial when you train long, slow cardio or short, high intensity and you lift weights. And those things are important for your health. But the thing that I would throw to that, again, going back to like the Cobra effect, where are we placing our incentives mm-hmm. and what is that leading to? I see this all the time in CrossFit when people go, my score on the whiteboard matters more than how I'm moving. Like the one thing I always get when I work with people is they go, I had no idea. We'll joke with them to say, oh my God, yeah, I just gave you like five things to think about. We're going through one of them at a time and it's really hard and you're creating these new neural firing patterns into your muscle. So you're way more fatigued and way more sore than normal. And it required a lot more. But the point would be, it doesn't matter that your score got less on the whiteboard because you feel better and eventually you'll be able to work back to it. But it's just going to require you to do a couple challenging things like checking your ego, developing a new character skill set because your previous character was give no shit. It's all about win, win, win. And now it's saying, well, like, no, look, internally change this. And it's really hard for people to do. But whenever I work with people, the ones that are able to do it, they move pain free and then they love moving and exploring their movement. It, it comes back to a mindset. How, what, are you, yeah. what are you looking for? Right. right. What are you looking for? If you're looking to be having a pain free life, um, work surrounding yourself around things that are going to help you create that pain-free life i mean it's mostly it's mostly about awareness yeah 100 percent. it's like it's it's in that because you're you're pain your pain maybe referred pain for something else we don't even we don't know it's until we until we sit there and try to figure it out but it's also it also comes down to your limitations and a lot of different things like for me i can't run anymore one i'm a little bit too heavy but also i have some really serious hip pain that's just like and that pain is most mostly joint on joint like, mm. like bone on bone pain which is like Running is not going to help that, but this is that's saying I can't do different kinds of stimulus. So I'll still give you the same, yeah, the cardio same, response, the same, same cardio response that I want. <clears throat> but to what he's saying is, what we do here, him and I, but if it's not for an adaptive athlete or a strength athlete, or if it's not for uh, just an athlete who just wants to be better on the floor, mm-hmm. it's just bringing more awareness to what your body's where your body's functioning in general all together, right? Bringing that awareness together so you know, hey, maybe this pain is coming from somewhere else. Hey, maybe we can correct this pain, but you're not. Maybe the pain is not so much a, a thing than you think it is. Yeah. Right? I'm not saying your pain is not bad. I'm oh, just yeah. saying I'm just saying that bring your awareness to what's actually causing that pain and what can we do to help correct that. But also bring you more awareness, to like hey, if this happens, I know what I have to do to correct it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I did a I did a survey recently. Um, on my uh, on my social media where people could fill That's out okay. this like Google survey. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's okay. And so what was interesting was I, I put it into a word counter and you see the most common words that pop up. And you had a question related <clears> to <throat> goals, one related to fears, one related to challenges, and one related to things that people wanted to improve and learn more on. And um, 
I, I hadn't thought it about it this way before, but essentially most people wanted pain-free movement. They wanted, uh, so, so like a goal was pain-free movement and better longevity. So their health and wellness was improved for long-term and currently in the present. Uh, also, so like, I guess not surprisingly, people went, I wanted to feel like I did before. Uh, in addition to that, they wanted to relieve their fear of a future injury. Like the greatest fear was fear of getting hurt later, not okay, even though they again. were hurt right now. Right. Or, yeah. Um, and the thing that they wanted to learn most about was essentially it, it related to pain and balance and all this stuff, but it was how to improve those things. Not like what exactly to do, but like, how do I even navigate that? So it's interesting when it comes to like this health aspect or functional movement, like if you want to be able to be pain-free, if you want to learn how to improve your movement so that it's better for your longevity so you can do all the shit you love to do, you need to be aware. And mm -hmm. the greatest way to be aware for most people, besides surrounding themselves with people that will help keep them in check and like as an accountability buddy, is your breathing. Mm -hmm. Awareness. That's the first step of awareness is your breathing. Yeah. I mean, come, it's full, comes full circle, right? It's the yeah. main anchor people usually get comes back. when they do a meditation practice. Like, imagine imagine the people that are sit there, they can't sit there and have just five minutes. Five minutes goes by really fast. You're just breathing 30, like even just 20 breaths a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It goes by extremely fast. People don't even notice. Like, you see, we're sitting in the sauna and we're breathing, and I say, hey, we're going to go do a breath practice. Sometimes that may take two to two or three minutes, and people don't even know. Because, oh, they're like, they're like, it's time to breathe. That means we're getting the fuck out of here. You know? Right. <laughs> so they're like, all right, we're good. Sorry, guys. Eight more minutes. <laughs> I know, right? But so, like, that's it. Breathing is the easiest way to get to just overall awareness of what your body, your, your body's doing, what your mind is doing currently, and just how you feel in general. All, like, those three are big, big hits yeah, for yeah. us. I'll say that uh, I started yoga with Annette over three years ago, like right before I started pharmacy school. So it's very much so in line with my graduation date. I'm not going to stop when I graduate, but, um, I came in cause like my body was like just jacked up from sports and all kind of stuff. And I was getting to the point where all my movements were not pain free. I mean, I was in considerable amount of pain looking for an alternative to get myself better. And the thing about Kodawari is that, like, Annette came out, didn't know she was the owner. I'm like, who the fuck is this lady? <laughs> right? Like, telling Connected everybody. Connected with her immediately because she's authentic as fuck. Yeah, she's, she's just like, who's this lady telling everybody to fuck off? Um, <laughs> and so, like, I talked to her. I was telling her about what was going on. And she's like, walk really quick. And she's like, left hip, right knee, shoulder. Like, she's like, you are so jacked up. Yeah. And the fact that she, A, took a minute. And B, like, identified everything by watching me take four literally steps. four steps. <laughs> And I'm just like, okay, this lady knows what she's talking about. She does. Yeah. Right. And then, so immediately joined, like I visited a bunch of other studios and I did yoga as a baseball player, but just for like flexibility, mobility, yeah. never incorporated the breath. And like our yoga people that would come to help us n rarely talked about the breath. They're like, this is for your knee joint, whatever. And so when I started yoga, it was definitely not about the breath, but I hear everybody cueing, like, breathe, ujjayi breath, breathe, breathe, breathe. And I'm like, the fuck is going on? <laughs> and I slowly started to titrate into that. Yeah. Where when I first started yoga, I was, like, very much so mouth breathing and hot, like, fuck, this is, like, this sucks. <laughs> and, and you start going, and now it's, like, I just, I'm in through the nose, out through the nose yep. all the time. And just the yoga, the emphasis on breath work that yoga's brought has considerably changed my life to the point where, like, I even get caught by some pharmacists, like, in a high-stress situation, like, what are you doing? 
and they'll just hear me breathing and I was like, please, I'm not hot and bothered over here. I'm trying to calm down. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But they'll hear, like they'll hear huge deep inhale and, you know, exhale just to kind of yeah. chill out. And I had, That's I was, good awareness. I was in a pharmacy one time. It was more like a call center. And a lot of them were like fitness people. I think one girl did CrossFit. And so they're like, do you practice yoga or something? Like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm breathing. And so I actually got them by the end of my time there we would take five minutes after lunch to do a quick round of breath work That's before awesome. we finished yeah. the rest of our day. Yeah. And they were so sad when I left. And I was like, well, I hope you guys continue like continue this breath it, yeah. work practice. And then my other classmates who are going to come through here, make their ass do it. Don't tell them I did it because they think I'm crazy. But, like, <laughs> say that y'all are fucking witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's nuts. So he's really trying to summon some demons right now. <laughs> um, so, to close it out, where can my listeners find you guys, the, the Wellness Navigation Podcast? Yes, yeah, so you can find the Wellness Navigation Podcast on Spotify, and then we're both active on, on our uh, Instagram social media. So for me, it's at sweet period underscore period Mitch. Okay. And I'm at strong underscore surfing underscore yogi. All right. And uh, I'll definitely post all that stuff and, yeah, and, and have our guys it's been great. be able to check out what you guys got going on. I was thinking... Just like for the hell of it. Mm. We've talked so much about breath work. Do you think that we could just close this out with like uh, whatever Mitch or whatever you, Mike, whatever you guys want to do, we'll close it out with like a round of breath work. So yeah. That, and so anybody who's listening to this, everybody who's listening to this, do this with us and see if it mm -hmm. helps you feel better. You want to do some box breath? You want to do, yeah, I feel like feel better. We Box breath would probably be best. Yeah. Or to feel like a noticeable difference. <clears throat> yeah. Four, five, four in, four, four pause, four. Let's go four, five. Four, five? So four in, five hold, four out, five hold. We'll do like right, four, four, four press. All right. So for anyone that's listening, you're going to place one hand on the bottom of your chest. So like the bottom of your sternum right here. And then you're going to take your other hand, two fingers, press in below the belly button, like gently pressing against your, your lower abdomen. And I want you to make sure that you can inhale to the lower abdomen. So let's just start with two or three inhales, just being aware of where you are breathing. And this is the mechanics piece. So go ahead and inhale. And then exhale. All through the nose. Inhale again into that lower finger. And exhale. One more inhale and exhale. And exhale. Now we're going to inhale on my cue to the count of four. And in, two, three, four. Hold, four. Three, two, one. Exhale. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four, five. And inhale. Two, three, four. Hold. Four, three, two, one. Exhale. Two, three, four. Hold. Four, three, two, one. One, inhale, two, three, four, hold, four, three, two, one, exhale, two, three, four, hold, four, three, two, one, inhale, two, three, four, hold, four, three, two, one, Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, four, three, two, one, and breathe normal.
So then the point would be, how do you feel? There should be a noticeable difference in how you feel your perception of stuff. I got a little heady. I do this a lot a too, weighted. and I was like, ooh. Yeah. It's like, feel good. Should feel lighter. Yep. Like there's less, you're either closed or open, you're less closed. I mean, our video, Danny, how do you feel? He's our videographer. Feeling great. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing it. I was like, I was like, yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, thank you guys so much yeah, for, uh, Thanks so much for, for having us. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, and for sure. I think that there's just a litany of things that we can talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, I think a lot of wrestling, too. I, oh, dude, I want to talk about the Attitude Era so bad. Yeah. I, I know, like, Mike and I one time, like, I think I was, like, sawing with him. It was just me and him, and we were, like, talking about polypharmacy. And I was like, bro, we could have, like, we should have had a microphone right here. I know. So, <laughs> For sure. I think, I, I think if it's possible, if we can get something heat-resistant to have, like, just a sauna sauna talks oh yeah sauna talk that'd be, be good awesome yeah, if you have some uh, video that can stand that kind of can't stand that kind of heat video or mic yeah yeah and yeah. anybody who's listening like i know we've talked about the sauna a lot at kodawari studios they have a yeah. Nordic sauna yeah. come sauna with us if you're in the tampa bay area it is i believe a one-of-a-kind experience oh, for probably sure. only one in tampa it. too only, only one, in one in tampa yeah so come get out my there classes friday 215 degrees come get after it <laughs> Come fuck yourself up. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Mitch, Mike, and myself all host different sauna sessions. Yep. And it is, like they said, group therapy. It oh, is, yeah. It's really an incredible experience. It reduces inflammation, increases perfusion to uh, your your vessel, or your muscles and blood vessels and organs, um, improves sleep. I think the list goes on and on. There was a study that says it reduced all-cause mortality by like 20%. It's yeah. crazy. Right. So I thought it was funny because all cause mortality is like just such a crazy statistic. But it's it like, I guess you're less likely to get hit by a car because you're in the sauna. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but thank you guys. That was so much fun. Also, a quick shout out us. to uh, South Tampa CrossFit for letting us use the facility. And oh, yeah. Just being a, that's where you can find Mitchell and I as well, South Tampa CrossFit. Yep. South Tampa CrossFit. Come get your lift on with these guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See ya. Later.